Welcome to the Road Sermon Podcast, where today Pastor Rig brings an empowering message on spiritual warfare. In this episode, Pastor Rig delves deep into the battleground of our minds, unveiling how our thoughts influence our actions and who we become. Join us as we explore the armor of God, the weapons at our disposal, and practical steps to claim victory in this profound struggle. Get ready to equip yourself with God's truth and transform your life in the ongoing battle for your mind. Get tuned in and be inspired. Grab a Bible, open to Ephesians chapter 6 and Romans chapter 12. Start in Romans 12 while you're doing that. I was given this. If you are driving a black Toyota pickup truck uh, with plate KVM 569, you are double parked and somebody wants to go home. Um, So we're waiting to see who it is. No, I'm... um, now, if you could, listen, that's one of the reasons we're trying to find a solution to space problems and parking problems, and uh, we understand that. So if that's you, just uh, run out there and move it real quick and uh, come back in and join us. We're in a series uh, about spiritual warfare. We've been in it for several weeks. It's been a great series. It's been very enlightening for me because just to be honest, like most of you, it's not something that was talked about a lot in Southern Baptist circles. And, uh, and so this is kind of new territory for a lot of us, but it's been fresh ground. It's been good ground. Uh, and I want to go back and talk about a few things we've learned. Uh, we have learned that when we engage uh, to become more like Christ, there are three fronts on which we fight. Uh, the Bible calls the first one the flesh. It's defined as the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is the stuff that's resident in us, right? These are our natural battles, whatever they are, of lust, greed for things, position, possessions, all those things. That, man, they're just, we're born with them in us, and we fight those, and everybody fights something. But then there's the world, and that's the second one. Now, here's what I need you to see. The Bible tells us clearly that Satan is the ruler of this world. The world sets a table that appeals to the appetite of the flesh. That's everything you and I watch on TV. It's what we read. It's what we listen to. And that that is designed to push that button in us of desire for whatever it is. Whatever your struggle is, the world is working against you and I pursuing Christ. And the third one is a personal spiritual attack. Now, most of us don't ever get there because most of us never address the flesh and the world in our spiritual pursuits, right? We, we just kind of get somewhere and we stay there. We don't ever push in to spiritual growth. And until we do, there's no push back. But here's what's happening. And it's happening in a lot of people's life. Once you begin to push into spiritual growth, you get a push back. That's when you start getting that personal attack, right? That things are happening in your life to turn you from pursuing God. And then we talked about, Matthew did, uh, what it means to be in Christ. That we have a new position, a new identity, and it's called in Christ. The Bible talks about us being in Christ, uses that phrase, 90 times. 90 times. Now, I'm just, just let you see where we are. How many of you know any of those? Who's winning? So we haven't identified, we don't even know our new identity in Christ. We don't know who we are spiritually. And so we continue to lose spiritually. And then last week, Matthew shared about the weapons of our warfare. There are three of them. There's the armor of God, there's prayer, and there's each other. And we need all three of them if we're going to win. Today, we are talking about where the battle takes place. This was a light bulb message for me right? This message took a lot of things that I had compartmentalized in my spiritual life. I know this, I know this, I know this, and wove them together like this. 
I began to see how scripture fit together throughout scripture and, and, and gave me direction and instruction to win the spiritual war. And that battlefield is called the mind. The mind. This message helped me as much spiritually as anything I've come upon lately. I hope it helps you. We're in Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 2. We're going to read it. We're going to pray. We're going to jump in. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your... Calvary, I really want y'all to be on board with me today. I got to move fast. I need y'all engaged. What we're talking about is our minds. And I'm going to, this is one of the points in our message, but you change your mind, you change your life. You change your mind, you change your life. The scripture goes on to say, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that it is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you have loved us that you've let us gather and fellowship and worship. And Father, now you want to speak to us. And I pray you would find us hungry with ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so we're going to start by talking about this battlefield of our mind. A couple things I need to clarify for you. Um, the Bible often uses the word heart, and we've done a disservice in communicating uh, as a church for years and years and years uh, about using the word heart in spiritual pursuits because in our world, the heart is an organ that pumps blood. You start talking to a little kid about give your heart to Jesus, it's like, what? Jesus never said to anybody, give me your heart. He never looked at anybody and said, would you make the decision today to give your heart to Jesus? I don't know where all this came from. What Jesus said was really simple. Will you follow me? Will you follow the call to Abraham? Will you follow me? The New Testament, will you follow me? Heart in the Bible does not refer to the organ that pumps blood. It refers to the seat of our moral, emotional, and intellectual being, right? That's the first point is that it's talking about who we are and not that organ that pumps blood through our body. And there's a lot of scriptures, a lot of scriptures that show us this. If you're reading a newer translation of scripture, you might notice that the word heart is translated mind instead of heart. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of those. Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinks within himself, so is he. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. I never, I, I've used that as a man thinks in his heart so easy a lot of times, but I never understood that proverb. So here's what the proverb's saying. You ever have somebody invite you out to a really nice restaurant for dinner, and then they tell you, order anything you want, it's on me, right? But then when you start talking about what's on the menu, they're going, how much does that cost? How much does that cost? How much, that, how, how much does that cost? Or you have them over to your house and you've got a big spread out there and you got some really nice stuff out and you go, man, take anything you want. Every time they reach and get something, you hear them go, mm, mm, mm. And here's what, here's, what you're, here's what you're getting. The mouth is saying one thing, take anything you want. The life is saying another. Which one do you believe? His heart, who he is, is not with you. Matthew 12, 34 and 35, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good, thing, the good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. Proverbs 4, 23, watch over your heart, for out of it flow the wellsprings of life. Luke 6, 45, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. I love this one. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, listen to this list. From within, out of, again, the heart 
of man proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Trying to get everything in, right? All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. So here's where we are. Look right at me. This is, this is, there are a few things I need you to really get. Here's one of them. There is no sin with which you and I struggle that does not begin in our mind. Zero. You start, you know, right now, because somebody's out there going, well, what about this? What about, start checking them. Start checking them. Steal. Well, that has to start with the thought of, I like what you have enough to compromise everything else to, to take it from you. Adultery, right? It has to start with the thought. Lust, start with the thought, right? Pride starts with the thought. Everything. It all starts, with, it all starts right here in our lives. Is it our struggle is there in our mind. And what we think about determines what we do and who we are and what, what we talk about and how we live. The mat battle is in the mind. Therefore, our verse says, be transformed by the renewing of your... We're starting to tie stuff together. You wonder, you wonder why you can't progress spiritually? You wonder why you're still fighting the same battles? You wonder why nothing changes in your life? No transformation in your life? Because the battle's here and we haven't addressed it. We're going to talk about that in a second. So Satan wants to change our mind about God. This is his plan. Watch how it works. Job chapter 1 verse 2. Job was a great servant of God. God even said, have you seen my servant Job? Wonderful guy. And Satan says, yeah, it's because you won't let me touch him. He says, well, you can touch him, but you can't take his life. So watch what, watch what Satan does. He takes all of his wealth, he takes all of his kids, and he takes his personal health. And his goal was simply this. Look right here at me and do not miss it. Just to change how Job thought about God. Job, God really isn't good. Job, God really doesn't love you. Job, God doesn't deserve your worship. Job, God's turned his back on you. Just to get him to think differently about God. So look, look at me. Big stuff going on right now. What is happening in your life right now? And what's behind it is trying to get you to question what you've believed about God. Right? I got some D's for you. Here's one that a lot of people have talked to me about lately, and that's divorce. If God really loved me, how could he have let me chosen that person? How could he have let them person told me they loved me? How come that person didn't stay with me, and now I'm angry at God because of a divorce? Stop, pause. We, first week, we learned it. Ask yourself, what's really going on here? Is there something out there that's trying to get you to think differently about God and question his goodness and his faithfulness to you? How about disease? If God really loved me, I wouldn't be sick. Or somebody I loved wouldn't be sick. Right? God wouldn't be letting me. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, Pastor. And it hasn't gone away. Now what's happening is I'm starting to think differently about God. No, what's really going on? Who wants you to think differently about God? Death? Well, listen, here's the truth. Everybody we know is going to die. Ourselves included. But boy, when it happens, man, sometimes we get so angry at God. How about difficulty? Because it doesn't have to be those big things. Sometimes the washing machine breaks. And you just look and, and, and you're just like, oh, 
oh, God, couldn't you have kept this thing working through this load, right? <laughs> now watch. Satan doesn't have to get you to think differently about God forever. He just has to get you thinking differently about God long enough to make a couple of bad decisions. And sometimes it is the washing machine that makes you make those bad decisions. Just understand what's really going on, which brings us to this. What's your struggle? So this is going to get really uncomfortable because the people in your home are going to know what your struggle is. Because all you have to do to know what somebody's struggle is is listen to them talk. Right? Angry people talk about angry things. Right? Sad people talk about sad things. Needy people talk about needy things. Lustful people talk about fleshly things. All you really got to do is talk. You know, what, what is it that occupies your mind time? If a great evening for you is sitting down at home at the TV, getting your iPad out and cruising Facebook Marketplace. You know, the best day of your life is Amazon Prime Day, right? You might be struggling with stuff, right? Because it's happening here. Lust happens here. How about fear? Watch this. Listen to me. Have you ever been afraid when there was nothing to be afraid of? Where's that happening at? It's our mind. Anxiety, anger. All of these things that happen in our life. We identify them as our struggle. And here, here's the gold nugget of truth before we get into the specifics of this. When we change our minds, we change our life. That is Romans 12 too. Be transformed. What? The life you lived by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to go back and remind you that of the 90 times Scripture says in Christ, most of us know none of them. No wonder we're losing. No wonder we can't gain ground spiritually. So the rest of this message is going to be talking about the weapons God has given us to fight this warfare. So we are not going to win this fight fighting in our own strength. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says this. The weapons of our warfare are not of flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of strongholds. So all that stuff you identified, right? Stop and think about it for a second. Everything that you identified, that's a stronghold in your life. If you've been struggling with it for six months or six years or 25 years, it's a stronghold in your life. And everybody's got them. So you identify it. And here's what the Bible's saying. You can't willpower that out of your life. Look up here at me. Oh, you hard-headed people. I'm a hard-headed people, so I can talk to you. <laughs> you think you can do it. You think you can do it. I thought I could do it. I just got to buck up, be tougher, be stronger. Will my way through this. And the Bible is saying, not possible. That everything you have in your flesh can never win this war, this spiritual war. That God has given us weapons to use. So watch this. This is really important. Here's where things are going to start meshing together for you. Would you agree with me that the battlefield is our mind? Okay. If you agree with that and God has given us weapons to win the war, then those weapons have to be deployed on the field in which the war is happening, which means they are weapons of our mind. 
Now watch. I've known Romans 12, 2 all my life. I've known Ephesians 6 is where we're going, but I've never done this with them. That the transformation of my mind happens as I deploy the weapons described in Ephesians 6 in my life, which is in my mind. And we're about to go there now. Turn in Ephesians 6, and you can follow along as we talk about the six weapons that Paul outlines for us. Five are defensive weapons. One is an offensive weapon. And the defensive weapon is about protecting yourself. I need you to see this. Goodness. I needed about an hour for this message. But the point, if you've got five defensive weapons and one offensive weapon, the point is not to take ground, it's to hold ground. This verse even, these verses even say, stand. Here, here, here is what Paul is trying to say. Quit losing ground. Stop going backwards. Five of these things are just to help you draw a line in the sand and stand there so that you don't keep giving your life up to Satan. Five of them are for that. One of them is offensive, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm going to give you a brief summary of these. The first one is truth. These are in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. The first one is truth. So what is truth? Well, truth is what God's Word tells us about this life and the life to come. We know that the Bible tells us that the number one tool of Satan is he is a deceiver. His goal is to deceive us about everything in this life. So watch this. Number one, deception. Hell isn't real. Heaven isn't real. Purity doesn't matter. Right? That everything that the Bible would teach, Satan's going to whisper in your ear, that's not true. That's not true. He wants to deceive us about life and the life to come. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 tells us that there's no temptation we face that God doesn't make a way to escape. John chapter 8, verse 31 tells us this. Watch this. Watch how it starts meshing. That you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you. If we're going to win this war, this spiritual war, it will be because we have saturated our minds with truth that has become what we, I mean, it's all we think about if we're going to win this war. Second one, righteousness. Um, so we're reading scripture and we go, you know, put on truth and righteousness. And we think, well, let's just be good because, that, you know, do right. No. So I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. You don't have any righteousness. I don't have any righteousness. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says this. There is none righteous. No, not. That means you. We need to come to terms with that. None of us are righteous. Okay, so if I don't have any righteousness, what am I going to fight with? Well, you're not fighting with your righteousness. Right? We're in Christ. Our identities change. Watch this. Once you are in Christ, the righteousness that you have becomes his righteousness, not yours. The Bible calls that imputed righteousness. So when God looks at you and you are a follower of Jesus, he doesn't see your life. He sees the life of Jesus. Now, what, is, what does Satan do? He wants to deceive you. So here, here, here's what I'm telling you. Here's the truth. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And Satan's whispering in your ear right now, don't think so. Because you're nasty. You're nasty. How you are as a husband, how you are as a wife, how you are as a parent, 
You are a complete failure. You are worthless. You are nothing. God, God sees everything you've ever done and he knows you are an incredibly horrible human being. And we begin to live in shame. And we begin to live in guilt. So, so hear me. Because churches, churches full of people built for guilt, right? We love to come to church and somebody make us feel bad about who we are. Why, wow, that's weird. But it's true. So if you are living in guilt and shame, look right here at me today. I can tell you that you're still trying to work for your own righteousness. Pastor, you just don't know how bad I was. Pastor, you don't know the things I've done. Pastor, I committed adultery. Pastor, I did drugs. Pastor, I took somebody's life. And I am telling you that the Word of God says, listen to this. I, I need to get to this scripture. I'm so far behind. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, Paul lists off this big long list of every sin you can imagine. Again, lying, sexuality, every form of sexuality, gossip, slander, stealing. He, he just, he lists everything. And, and then in verse 11, he says, and such were some of you. Okay. I need you to identify with the such were some of you statement. Are you with me that such were some of you? Such were I. That's me. You want to know why salvation is so valuable? Because I know what I really am. I know what I've been saved from. I know what God forgave me of. Such were some of you. And Paul's just leveling the playing field going, man, there is great freedom when God's word sets you free because here's the rest of the verse. Listen, it says, but you were washed. You were sanctified, justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so you're here today and you're living in guilt and shame. You know, whatever you did that Satan just beat you with, Here's what you do. The next time he whispers in your ear, you worthless thing, you look at him and say, no, I have been washed. I have been sanctified. I have been justified in the name of Jesus. Get away from me, Satan. Are you with me? Quit trying to do it. Quit trying to win it on your own. It is a free gift. God wants to give it to you. He just wants to give it to you. All you got to do is live in Christ. Peace. We live in a crazy, chaotic world, um, and, and the Bible tells us that we can live with the peace that passes all understanding. I was telling our staff, because we got a lot going on, that uh, I had anticipatory fatigue. You know what anticipatory fatigue is? They're like, did you get diagnosed with something? You know. Anticipatory fatigue is where you start thinking about everything you have to do, and you get tired. Oh, you do know what it is. You haven't even done anything, and you're worn out. Thinking about all the stuff you haven't done. Where's that happening? And watch me. If Satan wants to just to wear you out and make you ineffective, physically tire you out before you get started, all he's got to do is start bouncing that stuff around in our heads. Oh, look at all you've got to get done. You'll never get it done. You'll never get it done. You'll never get it done. And you've got ball games and practice and da 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 The truth is this. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. You live today because tomorrow will have enough worry sufficient for itself. You start living in tomorrow, you're, you're living in worry. Living in yesterday, you're living in guilt. 
You live in the today, Jesus said, I'll give you the abundant life. Live with truth. Then faith. And the shield of faith is what we stand behind. Okay, big door right here in front of us to fire, get off the fiery darts of Satan, the scripture says. Satan in life will do everything it can to get us to question what we believe about God. We've often talked about believing that God is good and Satan challenging that belief that God is good. That when we get sick or bad things happen or hard things happen, we start wondering, is God really good? And once we question and take it from a guy who has questioned the goodness of God because bad things happen in my life, that the foundation of our faith will begin to crumble. Because once we question God's goodness, it's just a, it's a domino effect. Everything else begins to fall. So, so stop for a second. And are you questioning the goodness of God? And if you are, you draw a line and you go, I believe. I believe. I believe. Helmet of salvation, right? Surrounding our head with what? Salvation, the reality of salvation. So take a big breath. And let this thought sink in on you. That the God of the absolute universe loved you enough to let his son die for you. And the truth, the Bible says this. If the God of the universe who loved you enough to let his son die for you, he will withhold no good thing from you. Let that surround your head. Surround your mind. Last one. The sword. I'm going to remind you again. Five of the weapons are defensive. That the goal of spiritual warfare is quit giving up ground. Quit going backwards. But there will be moments. Look at me. Make sure you hear me. Because we all want to be a hero and we're not. There will be moments when God says go forward. Gain ground. Be on the offensive. You got one weapon. Of all the things that were out there to be used as weapons, you got one. It is the Word of God. More often than not, we're just standing ground. Periodically, God will call us to gain ground. And when we do, we gain ground using the truth of God's Word. Wrap up. How do we win? How do we win? Uh, we focus on behavior. It is impossible. In our world, we focus on behavior. It is impossible to change behavior without changing what is behind behavior. Uh, what, whatever we're wanting to deal with, we're always like, I want to quit. Right? Whatever it is, you name it. I want to quit. Well, no. We focus on what's behind the behavior rather than the behavior. Again, change your mind. Change your life. Begin to think differently about all of life. As a follower of Jesus, you're going to think about marriage, parenting, money, friendship, church. Everything will be different as you follow Jesus. One of the things we do is we learn to make decisions for our mind, not with our mind. Right? So your brain's going to scream for what it wants. Uh, I've been talking about ice cream. It seems to work. Everybody seems to understand ice cream. For probably the last two or three weeks, every evening, I'll have me at least a bite of ice cream. Not that I want to, but I do anyway. And how that normally looks is I'm watching something on TV or I get in and I'm like, I need something. What do I need? Right? What do I need? I need ice cream. And I think, oh, doggone it, I lost some weight and I'm putting it back on. I don't need that. So, so watch how this looks. It looks like this. Right? Literally, getting up and walking around the house. 
And my wife said, what are you looking for? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> right? Right? And, and then we end up in the kitchen, right? And maybe I just look at it. Maybe I just open the roof and just look in there at it. It's still there. Right? It's still there. Right? The world sets the table for the appetite that is resident in me. Right? Do you ever wonder, watch this, how your mind got so strong that it won't take no for an answer? How did you give in every single time? Watch this. Because for years and years and years and years, you gave it everything it ever wanted. You told it no about nothing. And now you want to try to tell it no and it's going to look at you and growl. Right? It's going to tell you, you better get ready for war. War. So how do we do it? Oh, by the way, again, meshing scripture, right? Transform the renewing of your mind. The spiritual warfare, the weapons are in our, our weapons, mind of the mind. Listen to this verse, Philippians 4 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent, praiseworthy, how about this? Think about these things. Start counting the times the Bible tells you to think about certain things. A battle is in the mind. Three things in closing, and we're wrapped up. Uh, number one, uh, look up scripture that addresses your struggle. Be a man, be a woman, own your stuff, quit hiding, quit acting like it isn't true. Find out what it is you struggle with and find a scripture that addresses it. Do not call Brother Rick, Brother Matthew, or Brother Vic. Don't email us and ask us to find your scripture. This is your war, right? You know how to use Google, right? It works. Google lust verses, and they'll be more than you can ever do anything with. Number two, memorize those things. Anybody know who OU plays next week? Anybody? Tulsa, what time? 2.30? Don't tell me you can't memorize anything. <laughs> memorize what you want to memorize. And I'm not asking you to memorize 100 verses. I'm asking you to pick one verse. One verse that deals with your stuff. Put it in your mind. Write it on your bathroom mirror. Tape it to your steering wheel so that all day long, every day, you do the third thing, and that is meditate on it. This is who I am. I am tired of losing. This is a war. And if I don't deal with it, my kids will have to deal with it. And I'm tired of getting beat. Psalm 1 says this, that the man who lets the word of God permeate his life will be like a tree planted by the water that brings forth fruit in its season. Be that man. Be that woman. Would you bow your heads with me? I, uh, I'm telling you that I had compartmentalized so many things in Scripture in my life that, that I had never let God mesh together for me. And this was a light bulb moment for me that when I began to realize that the changed life is the product of the changed mind. And that if we're going to go to war, we've got to be serious about changing how we think about life and everything. So I'm asking you, are you tired of losing? Are you tired of fighting that sin that you can never seem to get the upper hand on? And could it be that nothing's ever changed because your mind about it, your thought processes have never changed?
Would you decide today to let the Word of God permeate your life? Maybe you'd say, hey, pastor, I'm not sure I'm even a follower. Would you make the decision today to start following Jesus or plant your life at a church? Whatever God would lay on your heart. Father, thank you for our time. I ask you, God, to speak and move and accomplish what you planned before we ever met today. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.